What's up, everybody? Garrett Nobel here from the Dead Fit Dynasty. A little bit of a rebrand there, in case you didn't catch that Dynasty bit. Um, it's doing these uh, little uh, in-between episodes, I like to think of them, for the podcast. Each week, my buddy and I, Jake, will be hosting Twitter X Spaces, where we talk about all things fatherhood, fitness, marriage, everything in between. Building up strong men. This week on the spaces, we talk about mental health as a husband and a father. It's a pretty important topic that a lot of people seem to gloss over. And mental health is integral in being physically fit, mind and body, everything's connected. Uh, we had a bit of a hiccup midway. From spaces itself um, the platform crashed on us so if you make it that far you will notice that there is a bit of a cutoff uh, anyways we talk about how denial is a hell of a drug the power of radical transparency stupid things that we do as husbands and fathers guilt and shame and what we do with them and we end it with chatting on past behaviors. I hope you enjoyed this one. I'm pretty sure you will, though. Until next time. How's it going? Yo, what's going on, man? Not a whole lot. Just waiting for uh, Barrett to hop on here in a second. All right. How was your Christmas? It was good. It was good. It seems like it always goes by super fast, but it was it was good. How was yours? It was good, man. I was about to say the same thing. It's like it went so quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We uh, we we moved uh, like my my immediate family and I. We moved out of state a, a few years oh. ago. So so we try to go back. We're originally from Missouri. And we live down in uh, like South Georgia, North Florida area now. And so we always, we go back to Missouri to visit family before Christmas so that we can make it back to our house for actual Christmas. So, man, that's a, that's a it makes me think of uh, National Lampoons. Remember that movie? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it makes me think. Yeah. Yeah, our her family, we just hopping down. My family's kind of like spread it out, so really just who's the closest. So we was just at her family house. Right. What's going on, man? Wait for you to hear me. Yeah, I think he's, I just made him to go, so he should be. Happening. Hey, what's up? Yo, what's going on, man? Oh, not much. I'm glad I made it home. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, I mean, I'm glad I put this shit in the calendar, too, because uh, we were picking up my daughter and my uh, reminder went off. I'm like, oh, god damn, <laughs> I gotta get home. <laughs> yeah, same. Right. went off and I was at work and I was like, oh, my lunch. I gotta take my lunch then. I forgot. <laughs> uh, how yeah. you guys doing today? Oh, we're doing, doing good. Doing it and doing it. Yeah. See everyone survive the holiday. 
<laughs> yeah. First one, at least. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> our uh, our daughter this tonight today's her last night down with us. She's traveling back to Missouri tonight. So. Oh shit! She's leaving tonight. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Man. Well, it's it's easier when you drive. Like at night, it's not as much traffic. So. And she's still young, so she likes to stay up all night anyway. So. Yeah, I'm like, I'm about to go to bed. <laughs> Man, right. Those days of all nighters. Nah, nah, never again. Yeah, she took a she took a few hour nap earlier this afternoon, and so you know, she's twenty two, so she's good she's to go good. now. <laughs> Grab a monster or a five hour energy. I can drive all night too. <laughs> yeah. 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 My wife and I already took down all of the decorations, so it doesn't even look like we had Christmas. I'm so lazy. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm so lazy with that <laughs> decoration thing, man. I'll be like, I'll let it sit there until she's like, take it down. It'd be like a month and a half later. Like, you right. Let me take this down. Yeah, <laughs> certainly wasn't my choice yeah. today. But <laughs> yeah, we took our outside stuff down. Now we just have to take down the tree and stuff. And I don't really get too involved with that part because my wife is very particular about how the ornaments are all put away. And what all is things. that? So, about women who love the ornaments being placed a certain way. I don't understand. That's been a thing for quite some time. I've always known. So I'm like, dang, you're so angry yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah, I just I just steer clear and just I let her do that and it's it's she enjoys it and, and I enjoy not getting involved with that <laughs> part. So Yeah, she my, my girlfriend just really much tells me, just pick the heavy stuff up, put the tree down. Yeah. There. That's it. Right. <laughs> don't worry about anything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, we, and when we when we used to live in in Missouri, we would always go get like a real, you know, a real tree. Mm, that's and so, so that was always my thing. I was responsible for disposing of the trees. Like, all right, I got it. And now that we, I mean, they they have trees down here in the south where you can go to like a a, a parking lot and buy a real tree, but <laughs> they're you know they're brought in from who knows where. So. We just bought one of the, like the pre lit ones from Walmart. So, you don't use palm trees down there. Um, there's some people that do. Um, oh shit. We we don't we we have palm trees in the city that we live in, but not anywhere like around us. It, it's wild. Like even you know, like up in up north, like like in Halloween, you can go to an actual pumpkin patch and stuff like that. And I mean, the, if you want to go to a pumpkin patch down here, you go to like a parking lot where they build one and set one up. <laughs> so it's not the real thing, that's for sure. Yeah, we we but, chop down a tree every year. Just, I mean, everything about it sucks except the smell. Like just going and getting it. Actually, going and getting it's pretty yeah. fun because it's fun to see the kids running around and shit. But disposal and all the fucking needles everywhere. Everything else about it sucks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I believe it. It's it's a pros and cons of both. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Which one? Pick your poison. Yeah, you know? right. Absolutely. I just hate carrying how heavy it is. Heavy. I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, damn, this is, this is, <laughs> you know, this is like a bench. You know, I'm like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And it's down the stairs. It's not like it's like put it in the garage or something. It's like you got to carry it. Make sure you don't fall with it. You know. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> So you're on your lunch break, Fonzie? Yeah, I, I'm enjoying it right now. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah, I did that the last last week because I, I had to clock back in. <laughs> yeah. Right. Don't want to get fired for uh, Twitter space. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, I think I mentioned it though. We uh, all these are recorded and we upload them to the podcast. So if if you feel inclined, feel free to check them out on there. There, all of the conversations will be there as well. Yeah, I thought uh, for a while I thought it might have just been the two of us. We were just going to be recording for later. At first, uh, and my wife was like, what do you do if you're the only one on there? I was like, well, I'm not going to talk to myself. So <laughs> It's not recorded anyways. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, not recorded. <laughs> okay, you're doing some weirdo stuff now. Got it. <laughs> just That's send out an step. hour Send out an hour of me talking to the abyss for uh, for the Friday email. <laughs> that would be uh, that would be something for sure. Uh, your wife sits you down for an intervention. Okay, we need to talk. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's yeah, nobody's joining. We need to have we need to have a conversation. Right. <laughs> yeah, it ties in perfectly with the topic for this week. <laughs> right. 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 Oh, well, I guess we can just go ahead and get started. And it's, uh, I really think talking about like mental health as a husband and father and all that, I think it's perfect, you know, around this time of the year because, you know, there's so much pressure that goes into the holidays and trying to, to make them perfect or, you know, to try to be there for your family and make it the perfect, uh, holiday for your kids and all those types of things. And, the thing that always comes to my mind whenever, um, you know, when we talked about doing, or I guess, you know, the community voted for this one to be the, the next topic was, it's kind of ironic in a way because, you know, the more you care about being a good dad or being a good husband or whatever it may be, the more stress you put on yourself, which sort of leads to, you know, like the, the mental health and having some issues and stuff just because, you know, a lot of times it's a byproduct of, well, I care, but I don't know if I'm doing enough and all of those types of things. So I thought it was really an ironic, you know, thing to put out there and have such a strong response to. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by it as well. And, I mean, from our, our newsletter this week, just my particular story in general, it's, I'm, I'm certainly not the only one who's struggled with uh, mental health issues, so... Yeah, I was uh, I was keen to chat about it and see what other people had to think about it as well. And your point was that the irony of it around the holiday time too is, I mean, <clears throat> this is the the suicide rates go up around holiday times because people get so depressed because they're either single or maybe just newly divorced or something. Or I don't honestly know the real reasons, but those are my guesses. It's just a depressive time of year and especially up where i live in the the northeast uh, the seasonal affective disorder the sun's barely around anymore so that definitely impacts people's mental health a lot i mean i know several people who they they go on meds during the the winter times because that lack of sunlight really affects people Mm -hmm. oh absolutely we, um, my wife and I always talk like, you know, we go up to Missouri to visit for the holidays and visit our family. And I mean, just going up there and visiting, it's like, you notice it even just like walking around at the store or whatever. I mean, the people by and large just seem a lot more grumpy and angry and just not as friendly, you know I mean? And it's, 
you can tell. I mean, it's you can definitely tell. Like being being down where we are now. I mean, it's it, it's just a different uh, atmosphere. I mean, but like this whole week, it's gonna be like seventy degrees. We get outside, you know, play, do stuff out in the yard, and and all those types of things. So it's it does. It makes a huge difference in the winter months. That's for sure. Fonzie, well, you you're down south too, right, man? Uh, Midwest. I'm uh, Indiana. Oh shit, that's right. You said that for some reason. I had Atlanta stuck in my head, but that's because it rhymes with Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it, the, the the seasons over here can be can have seasons. I see a lot of the seasons. I used to suffer from that heavy growing up in high school. Seasonal depression, especially with sports and yeah. trying to keep my grades up. Next, that, that was so demanding. So like. I always feel like mental health really comes, it hits even harder when you're trying to like keep up with a performance of something and yourself while doing it. You know, I, I always, I, I feel like Kobe harped on that before in an interview, I believe. He was talking about like just, you got to take time out for yourself, meditate, you know, the escape from the world. Like sometimes you don't need to do the hardest thing or the most passionate thing. You just need to sit. So there'd be moments where these days I try to like just be, exist for a second like give me 10 minutes and then like get back to it yeah keep, keeping that performance up well whatever you're doing is always high especially with the gym you know so yeah i'm a big proponent of meditation i've been doing it for well over a decade at this point now so i've <clears throat> i always it's funny when i talk about it um because I initially thought it was just like some hippie bullshit. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but for but, real though, I I feel you on that. I do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's got a negative stigma against it with just like weirdo dudes doing drugs <laughs> in the trees and like that's, that's stupid. But, We're here. We're here. but with that, I uh, I also heard a lot of really positive things from it as well. So I'm always keen to try things as mentioning in the the nutrition <laughs> Twitter space a couple of weeks ago. I'm I'm always gonna try something once. So I set out thirty days and meditated a half an hour every day, which I guess was a little ambitious um from people now that I mean now that I've done it so long I never recommend someone doing thirty minutes right off the bat. But <clears throat> yeah, after maybe the twelfth day or so I started actually noticing pretty profound changes when i wasn't meditating and i don't, I don't know i uh, attribute a lot of that to the, the meditative practice itself now that i've been doing it for so long it's it's awesome i can kind of like it helps me really be present and i think that's the biggest takeaway from the meditation practice i do i know there's there's different ones and i've never experimented with any of the other ones but being able to 100% be present in a moment is, I think it's a superpower, honestly. I don't, it's very, very difficult, but at the same time, when you're actually there, it's, it's just brings such an immense joy to my life, especially if it's family related or something, but it helps in my job too, because I can, I can focus as well, but just anything family related if like the kids are doing something or met a performance or we're out just cutting down the tree is an example we talked about mm. just being fully present in those moments is something you can't take away yeah another thing that i do is 
I don't take a lot of stuff serious. I used to take a lot of stuff serious. Like, I don't know. I guess maybe, um, call me extreme, but as I've gotten older, like, it's certain things I'd be like, wow, I put a lot of importance on things that aren't really that important at the end of the day. And, like, freeing up that mental real estate to put towards, you know, other things and think about other things that are more important or bring me joy. Uh, it takes a lot of concentration and awareness to really understand, like, are you... Or is your mental really like uh, behaving negatively or positively? It takes a lot of concentration to become aware of that. And it's like once you do, I don't know, I don't know how you guys do it, but like I try to stay away from negativity as much as possible, especially like just random drama or random stuff I see on the internet. I just try to stay away and keep my brain as focused on the task at hand as possible. Like you said, be present. You know, focus on that rather than the world. I can't control the world. I can control me though. You know, that's kind of how I like my take on it these days, just to decompress stress, you know. Yeah, I, I definitely I think staying away from negativity is a huge one, I think. Um, you know, and even including sometimes with family stuff, especially, you know, like not your immediate family that you live with. I know we um, we dealt with that a lot whenever we first were making our move, actually, you know, especially from from my side of our family. I mean, we had people that on my side, I mean, my parents told us that we were selfish for moving and, you know, all this different stuff. But I think you start to find that the more that you, um, you know, you you get away from negativity, regardless of where it's coming from, you do start to realize what's important and what isn't. And I think, you know, I mean, not paying attention to media online, that type of stuff, and just staying away from things that, don't matter and focus on the things that do, I think makes a huge difference. It's, um, you know, it's always one of those things where you can, you only have so many minutes in a day. And so you get to choose what you fill them up with. You know, you can spend your time worrying about listening to people who say the, the world is falling apart and all those things, or you can go outside and, and make memories with your family or, you know, stuff like that. So, I think making good choices as far as what you use to fill up your day is a, is a really big, big thing. Yep, absolutely. And, and I know I've mentioned it, I don't even know, probably on my tweets or in the spaces or something because I talk about it a lot, but um, the power of saying no, I've gotten incredibly good at it um, deliberately the past couple of years or so um, just because of that specifically is just eliminating all the nonsense. And I, I've been able to hyper-focus and like narrow the scope down of things that are important to me. And I, like I said, I put a, del- a lot of deliberate effort into this, um, trying to figure out like my, my priorities in life and things that I want to work towards and things that bring me joy and shit like that. And, I have no problem saying no to things that don't either push me towards things that are goals that I'm working towards or things that make me happy. I will, I'm going to, I'm not going to say a hundred percent. So I'll say 99% of the time I'll say no. Cause that 1%, it's just, <laughs> something's going to come up obligation, family related things. But even that it's not, I will definitely say no to a lot of things. And again, it kind of uh, 
ties in with uh, what we were saying earlier of how it's like a superpower in a way. I used to be a people pleaser, and I'd say yes to everything, and then I'd eventually just burn the fuck out, and then I would just become an asshole, and that wasn't good for anyone. So being able to say no in a way that people understand and respect it now is uh, something I said I've been deliberately and consciously building on for the past couple of years. And the response from people, I think, has been very positive. They they respect you a lot more when you're like, no, I can't, I don't have the time. Or I honestly don't even give reasons why anymore. I just say no. And that was scary for the first few times. But um, now people understand and respect my choices and decisions with that. And they know I'll always help them if possible. But if I do say no, they're like, oh, okay. Then clearly something is more important or needs to happen. So he's not just being an asshole or he's not being lazy or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know we've got a couple people hopped in here too. And um, so I just wanted to make sure everybody also kind of knows that are just kind of joining in, like if anybody has anything to add or questions or thoughts on anything, feel free to, um, to, to speak up. I think everybody has the, the privileges or the, the, they have it to where it's set up that everybody can be a speaker if they choose to. Um, and if not, that's fine too. But, um, I noticed Jeremy, you came on, good to have you on here, brother. Um, but, you know, so going with the whole mental health thing and saying no, I think it's interesting because, you know, a lot of times, and I know for the people that read our newsletter, we did, a, each of us kind of did like a deep dive on the newsletter that we dropped today about kind of like our personal journey and how we've gotten here and some of the stuff that we've had to kind of overcome along the way. And I think when you go through something fairly traumatic and traumatic could be a lot of things to a lot of different people, but. I think kind of the common thing between for Baird and I, you know, going through some of the things that we have gives you that perspective of, you know, I understand now what really is important. And so that gives you the, um, the mindset of, I don't feel bad about saying no, because this doesn't, this doesn't fit with what, like what I'm trying to be moving forward. I know for me, um, you know, kind of after my hospital stay, which is something I've talked a lot about, and kind of the the role that that played in my development, you know, I'm I'm a drastically different person now than what I was prior to going into the hospital a couple of years ago. And so one of the things along the lines of the whole being willing to say no, but just kind of trusting things to work out and, and doing your part to sort of take ownership of getting there, you know, saying no is part of it. And then the other part of it is, trying to seek out the positive things. You know, if you're saying no to something that gives you the opportunity to say yes to something else. And I think, you know, what you say yes to is also a really big deal. And I think, you know, I know for me personally, some of the people that I've met since kind of joining this, this online journey has really been a big thing for me. You know, I'm constantly motivated every day by just seeing what other people are doing and being able to kind of see, you know, just those daily inspirational things. And I think you surround yourself with negative people, you have a tendency to become the next negative person. But if you surround yourself with uplifting people and 
people that are inspiring you to do things. I think that you now you become the next person who is inspired and in, in, in living a life that way. Yeah, I've had to cut out a lot of friends. <laughs> and I guess now, I mean, in the moment, it was tough because, I mean, there were people I knew since I was like a little kid or something. But, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but in the moment, it was tough. But now that um, I've set up healthy boundaries, I guess, is a better way because I, I haven't cut out completely. Um, but. It was, it was a little rough at first just because of all the backlash and just like, I mean, your friends are going to call you a little bitch. Um, my story, if you didn't get the newsletter, is I'm a recovering alcoholic. So basically all my friends were alcoholics or just substance abuse users. Um, so being able to say no to that has, I mean, it's, it's definitely saved my life, but it's also kind of, uh, I got lonely there for a while because I didn't have any other friends. Everyone, everyone, literally everyone I hung out with was either an alcoholic or they would just just do drugs or whatever. And again, being able to say no to all of that was, it, it saved my life, no doubt. And it saved my marriage. The second one, the first one didn't survive, but that's another story. I feel like one thing that I've noticed about life in general by, by starting to like add boundaries to myself, <clears throat> the stuff that I would tend to say yes to, because I grew up a yes guy. Like I grew up in a house full of women, you know, I'm still in a house full of women. So it's like I have to control how much I give myself before I lose myself. And there was a time where I was in a dark place where, you know, my mind wasn't right. I didn't seek therapy, you know, just I didn't really understand what was happening. I was really codependent, you know, because I didn't know how to stop. I didn't know how to tell people no, especially if I knew that I could help somebody, you know. But I also realized there's a form of helping in front of giving somebody a crutch, you know. So, like, saying, saying, saying no for me, I, it, I would save energy for the things that meant more that I could put more energy into you know every time i would try to like focus on something that meant something to me i didn't have enough energy because i'm doing every i'm distracted saying yes you know so that's kind of like my realization for me at least yeah i absolutely that's um you know like you said i mean if you ever that yes or no battle and, and understanding when when it's time to give a little versus you know take a little i think is is huge and that's something that a lot of people struggle with and they, they struggle to figure that out. I think, um, you know, kind of a little bit from my, my background, my story, you know, it's been 2018. I, one of my, one of my, I have three kids, one of them, um, had been diagnosed with cancer and, you know, and he's doing great now and all those things. But, you know, for me, that was kind of like the catalyst of what kind of sent me down, you know, like a, a bit of a, a dark path as far as, you know, just not, not taking care of myself. And, and a lot of it stemmed from, you know, just all the anger that I developed as a result of that. I mean, I was just a very angry person. I was angry at the world, angry at God, angry at life, because I mean, like, how could you do this to my son? How could you do this to our family? You know, like he doesn't deserve it. And, and so then it kind of 
went the other way as far as, you know, you know, yes, you know, being able to say yes or no based on the things that's going on, but really almost kind of becoming like a bit of an asshole really about things because it's like, you know, I had so much anger built up that it was like, I didn't really have a productive way to, to release that. And so, you know, I think that's the other thing, you know, that tends to happen is you kind of internalize things so much, you know, and you mentioned, you know, trying to, you know, figure out, okay, how, when am I going to say enough is enough? Or when am I going to kind of stand up for myself? And, you know, the more that we just kind of internalize things, I mean, it's kind of a recipe for disaster. I mean, for me, it was like, okay, we're in like survival mode, trying to take care of our son. And the next thing you know, it's like, I'm angry at the world. And now it's affecting my relationships. It's affecting my marriage. It's affecting my relationships with my kids. They see me as this like angry person all the time. You know, and that kind of also led to like just not take caring, taking care of myself. Then the next thing you know, it's a situation where my son is now ringing the bell because he's now celebrating having beaten cancer. But somewhere along the way, I've lost, you know, kind of myself so much that now I I'm not in a good place. <laughs> I have no idea what happened. <laughs> Uh, I just named this one episode two. Well, I just put episode two, part two. Damn it. It's episode four. Oh, my gosh. I was literally in the middle of talking. I could hear no one. And I was like, okay, maybe no one had anything else to say. I'll keep talking. And then it was like, then I saw the message pop up. It was like, hey, uh, audio died. Yeah, I thought <laughs> it's funny thinking about it from your perspective. Like, damn, that one bombed. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like no one, <laughs> no one was saying anything. It just kept saying for you that you had muted your mic. So I was like, okay, maybe he's just like muting because he's doing something. And I kept waiting, like, oh, uh, Barrett, this, this, this is the point <laughs> where you would start talking now. <laughs> yeah, it's like. We were sitting there in real life. You'd be like kicking me under the table. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yo, like, hey, yo uh, bro, it's your turn. <laughs> your turn to talk, man. Your turn. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I I actually chimed in too because I thought you just stopped talking and I wasn't. I didn't pay attention, so I did unmute myself and start talking. <laughs> nice. Uh, like I took my AirPods out and stuff. I was like, maybe there's something wrong with my AirPods, even though they're fully charged. But <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's Twitter. Maybe they don't like us today. Maybe. Well, it's probably because we keep saying Twitter. I bet there's a... I bet it's listening to this. It probably, yeah. There's somebody on the other end. It's like, if you say that word too many times, they just drop the audio. And say, no. <laughs> well, shit. Well, I guess that's the way... That's the way it goes, I guess. Yeah. But... It was, uh, I mean, the conversation was going good, but. Yeah, I definitely had some things I was going to talk about. But now they're gone, of course. <laughs> In the moment, thoughts that popped up. But... Right. It was, um, oh, I remember one. I was, I mean, 
I'll keep chatting. Either way, we can still use the audio. <laughs> yeah, we can still use, we can use the audio. And if and somebody else could always see it and join in, um, if they see that we are back up. So yeah, let me tweet that out real quick. Um, but my yeah, the thing I was gonna talk about was uh, I've mentioned it. <coughs> excuse me in uh, messages before how I used to. I think for the first year or so of the baby, um, probably even a little longer, um, I feel I would always feel guilty if I would go work out or do something that was just focused on myself instead of, I mean, I know my wife's recovering, so I could probably help her out more or. I could make some dinner or there's always cleaning or there's literally anything I can do. And I always felt selfish when I would go work out. And that kind of impacted my routine there for a good year and a half, I would say. Um, Because for one, I felt guilty because my wife and I used to work out all the time together before the pregnancy. So I kind of felt like wasn't really rubbing it in her face like how i'm gonna go work out you can't do shit because you're still recovering or you have to watch the baby i don't i don't really know i didn't put too much thought into it i didn't it wasn't like a deliberate thing but i definitely felt guilt with it and like i said it it pretty negatively impacts my fitness there for a good year and a half and as we all know your fitness kind of, it's kind of like a great foundational thing for the rest of your life. If, if things aren't going well there, kind of bleeds over into everything else, and especially tied in with the mental side of it. It's all of the chemicals released in your brain when you get a good solid workout in. There's just like all the dopamine and all of the, the happy drugs, essentially, yes. and the stress relievers, and there's there's just like almost no downsides but when you don't get that consistently via your fitness or nutrition then you start either looking for other sources or you just don't and it just doesn't happen so you're kind of just like in a state of blah that's how i felt for quite a while on top of the guilt which was just <laughs> it like compounded it well and i also think that there's something to be said for you know, you you feel almost like a little bit of like almost shame in a way when you don't stick to your routine because it's like I know that I should do this, but I don't. And then all of a sudden it's like, man, like you almost like, what's wrong with me that I didn't do this thing that I know that I should be doing, you know? And I, and I know for me that was that was kind of a, a low point for me was when I was starting to get to the point where I was like not able to do the things that I knew that I should be doing, you know, like as a, as, as, as a husband or as a father, you know, like not going outside and play with my kids or not helping my wife around the house and stuff. I, that was a mentally kind of exhausting thing. Um, it's kind of interesting that you mentioned, you know, like feeling guilty about not working out and, and stuff like that because, you know, I I have my kind of in my head, I thought of the kind of the exact opposite end of the spectrum, which was 
you know, when I was like further along in my recovery where to where I was getting back to like normal and I was walking, you know, normally again and able to do most everything that I needed to do. I was like doing just the opposite because I was so like absent before that I was like really annoying the hell out of my wife by constantly asking like, Oh, like, is this, is this good enough? Am I doing a good enough job for this? Like, you know, is there anything, I can do? <laughs> I, let me help you with this. Let me. And I was almost like, I was trying to compensate for, you know, all the stuff that I wasn't doing. And, um, you know, I was like going the exact opposite way where I was, you know, just like I said, I was annoying her because I was trying to make up for all this lost time and stuff. So that's not good either. So. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime we get towards the ends of any sort of spectrum, it tends to be negative. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the the shame part that's that's a interesting point that you brought up there as well because I I definitely felt that too. I mean, especially because I've always been known as the fit dude. So when I I ran into someone I hadn't seen in like a year or so, and he made a comment, and I might have already I've already got some pretty negative views about myself with stupid body dysmorphia that I try to, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, I try to tamp down. Uh, I mean, it's, it gets better as you get older, I suppose. But anyways, yeah, someone had made a comment and it wasn't even like negative, but that's just how my brain interpreted it because it went through that filter of, oh man, I haven't been working out for like six months consistently. So I know that what I see in the mirror isn't what I want. And so this person who I haven't seen in a while, who knew the previous version of myself and their comment, like definitely my brain blew it way out of proportion and kind of, I didn't, wouldn't say it sent me spiraling, but it definitely didn't do well for my mental health. And it was just, it was some stupid passing comment. I don't even remember what it is now. Cause that's how trivial it was, but, when you're viewing things through a lens of shame and guilt because you haven't been able to uphold your own standards for quite a long time, it's it definitely skews your perspective and blows things out of proportion. I'm absolutely. I mean, I I know you know I I don't know how long. Probably the better part of about five five years or so where I was sort of steadily going downhill, like downhill with my health, downhill with, you know, and health being a relative term, physical health, but mental health, emotional health, you know, all those things sort of going downhill. And then when I had the turning point and I was like now on my way back up, which has been kind of the last like two, two and a half years, you know, even now there's times where, like, especially with my wife, I I would say more so than anyone else, I will, will ask like, oh, like, well, like, are we, are we all right? You know, like, is everything okay? You know, because in my mind, like the slightest thing, like you said, the slightest thing can trigger like those feelings of, oh my gosh, you know, like, is everything going to be fine? You know, I mean, 
because because we were and this is something I talked about in in the newsletter that we dropped today. You know, we we were close, like we, we were on the verge of of not being a family anymore, not being together. You know, my wife was in a hopeful attempt of you know maybe this will be the thing that that you know causes him to change. You know, was ready to to leave and. You know, that does some weird things, you know, with your mental state, just, you know, as you are on the recovering side of things, because it's like, man, I know how close things were, so I don't ever want to go back to that. So now I'm stuck in this weird place where I am definitely doing the right things, but I'm still close enough to the wrong things that I know what that's like, too, and it definitely leaves you in this sort of weird, like back and forth state sometimes. Yeah, I can relate to that one. Not quite to that level, but even when I've upset my wife and, uh, I mean, it's, it's deserved from her side. I, I do stupid things sometimes. <laughs> as we, 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 we all do for sure. <laughs> <laughs> even when I upset her and it takes her some time to process it and then actually realize what she's feeling and then being able to talk to me about it. I mean, that could, sometimes that could take days. It might take a week or so. And just during that whole time, I'm just, I'm kind of losing my mind. Like I go, I go to the extremes again, which we talked about is never good, but I don't, I don't know. I just, sometimes I'm like, Oh my God, did I just fuck up so bad that like, this is going to end. And I know that's almost impossible, but my mind has definitely gone there a few times before. So I was, I can't, I was going to say, I can't quite relate fully to what you're saying, but in my own mind, I've felt it before. And it's, it's it's such a wild ride too, because I, when things like that happen, I, I try to like replay it back in my mind to make sure I understand it well enough so that it never pops up again because that it's such a horrible, horrible feeling when the person that you love the most, even like, even if there's like a slight crack in that relationship that it's, I don't know, that just, that really bothers me a lot. Well, and it's tough because, you know, I know like, and, and for me, I look at my marriage as, we we use the nautical theme a lot for in our in our marriage and also I, I write about this a lot comparing it in that you know it's like part compass part anchor you know it's your it's your guidance of finding your true north but it's also you know what keeps you stable through the the stormy waters so to speak of life and so that really throws everything off if your marriage is the part that is knocking you off of your true north or is causing the stormy waters, you know, if you are having a fight or, you know, if there's just a lot of stuff that's going on and, you know, it's not like where it should be, um, you know, it just throws everything else off because, you know, you're relying on your marriage to be the thing that brings you back to center. And so if that's, what is throwing you for a loop, then, then it it really makes it even that much harder to, to fix everything. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a horrible feeling too. (laughs) And it goes back to my point earlier where, um, when I finally 
stopped and accepted I was an alcoholic, so I, I had to stop drinking. Um, like I said, most of my close friends and friends at the time were just crazy substance abuse users, and <clears throat> I used to not rely on them just because they were unreliable, but I would at least be able to have chats with them and stuff about things that were going on in my life. And when I did make that shift in my life to better myself and my family's life, when, if things did happen with my wife, I was kind of alone in a way. Um, I mean, I still got a couple friends and stuff, but it's, uh, it's a lot more isolated in a way, and I haven't quite built up enough friendships that are close enough, I guess, where I can be like, yeah, I don't, I don't even know, like, I don't know what I did, Samantha's really upset with me right now, and it's, like, it feels really rocky right now, so that's, that's a horrible feeling to be going through it, obviously, but <clears throat> to also not have a soundboard or just someone to just like do it you're fine it's not that big a deal i mean yeah you fucked up but whatever that happens right yeah and, and i think i find too that like there's such a small percentage of people that that are in our quote-unquote like real lives so to speak which i mean whatever the hell that actually means but you know the the in real life aspect of it you know, and it's like, there's so few people that really understand, like, what we're actually trying to do, like, in the grand scheme of things. And, you know, it's funny because, like, when we were back back um, in, in Missouri visiting for our, you know, visiting family and stuff like that, just this last week prior to Christmas, you know, we went and we, we got together with um, some friends of ours, the, the whole family that like my wife and I are friends with the, the, the parents and then our kids are friends with their kids and the whole thing. And so we're sitting there talking, you know, as a group of adults and, you know, and this is one of my best friends, quote unquote. And, and you know, and I had a great time like talking with him and sharing stories and, and catching up and all those things. But at the same time, it's like, man, like there was just a few things that, that he would say where it's like, you know, he, he's not on the same, you know, like path as me. He's not on the same like journey as what I'm on, you know? And it's like, I'm trying to talk about like, you know, like, well, for instance, like some of the stuff that we're building online, you know, like some of the plans that we have for, you know, for this, this upcoming year, some of the stuff that we talked about doing and stuff. And, you know, and he's just sitting there like, I mean, he's listening and he's being respectful, but you can also just kind of tell that, you know, he's not fully on board, like, oh, like, kind of like a, great, well, have fun with that type of thing, and it's just like, you know, it just, it was just kind of a stark reminder of, like, you know, there's just so few people who I think really get what, what we're, like, trying to do when we start to say things like, I want to fully invest in becoming the very best husband and father I can be, and lots of people will talk like that in a while they'll say oh yeah i'd like to do that but then when you really start talking about what that entails and what you're going to do to actually make that happen you know like people will look at you like uh okay another friend of mine who i used to coach football with a long time ago and we've stayed good friends you know i talked to him about 
basically getting out of teaching and, and basically if, in creating this online business to a point where I wouldn't have to teach anymore. I could still coach football because I want to, but but not teach. And I just remember he kind of was like condescendingly like, so you're going to be like a, like a marriage and relationship coach? And it's like, I mean, kind of, yeah, like exactly. That's what I'm fucking saying. Like, I'm going to try to help men be their best because I wish I had that and I didn't. And I want to help other people have that. And so I just think, you know, it's hard to find people that, you know, really truly understand like what you're trying to do. Yeah, I, I always get not not laughs because that's a bit extreme, but I always get like smirks or like unconvincing. Oh, yeah. OK, that sounds cool. Whenever I mention any of the stuff that I'm that we're working on here, but. <laughs> it is funny and that's only that's only uh, <laughs> i almost said irl uh, my my real life acquaintances and friends and that's again another reason what i'm so drawn towards this whole community building part of it um digitally is because it's just i don't i don't know just like <laughs> the average person is just such a bum they just don't give a shit, and it drives me wild. I, I feel so alone most of the time. Um, but that's that's again why uh, we're building out this whole community because it makes me feel less lonely. And it's not only me; it's the whole pe- it's everyone in the community. Like, oh yeah, we're not the crazy ones. We're we're actually here to put in the work and to make differences in people's lives and. It's not just a, an ambitious goal. Like we were actually, we're building actionable things to facilitate growth and improvement in men's and fathers' lives. And it's so wild when I get, again, it wasn't negative responses, but just like, oh, okay, yeah, well, I'm just going to continue doing my shitty job that I hate and not respecting my wife or not caring about my kids. So, you go ahead and do that. That's, <laughs> I don't know. It kind of goes back to the whole thing we talked about when we first started it, just cut out that negativity. But it's interesting because those are also the people that need what we're building the most and trying to find that bridge, I think is going to be one of the biggest keys to everything. Because we can easily find like-minded people via Twitter and just online stuff. And we can build out that community. And that'll be great. But I also don't want it to be like an echo chamber. I want to be able to actually help people's lives who need it the most. And the people that I talk to in real life are the ones that need it. And I'm <clears throat> that's something I've been focusing on recently is how to be able to bridge that gap and it kind of ties in with my coaching as well as far as I'm not going to coach someone who's not ready so I know that a lot of these people I talk to aren't ready and I don't know if anything that I say or that we build will ever convince them but I'm still gonna try and once they are at the point where they see the light at the end of the tunnel 
for lack of a better term, then we will welcome them with open arms into the community, and it's just going to make the world a much better place. Yeah, it's tough because, you know, it's like, well, I'm not going to work with someone who's not ready, which makes all the sense in the world. But then the next step is, so how do we get them ready? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so how do we get them ready? Because, and, I'm, and I agree with you, I think, you know, being able to find people in the digital space is a little bit easier because if people follow us or if they join the newsletter or if they join our, our community that we've built, you know, obviously that means that they're looking for what we're trying to accomplish. So that makes it a little easier, but, but how do we get those people that are questioning, you know, and I, and I found myself really at first, I, I think when I started building this like online, um, you know, this, this online, I don't even know what you'd say version of myself, although it's the same as my real life version of myself. But, um, <laughs> but when I started building online, I I felt like it was almost like I wasn't trying to hide it, but it was like a, almost like a secret, you know, like I didn't really talk about it with people that I interacted with, you know, like on, on regular bit terms, like in person. And slowly, I, I've started doing that more and more. My wife has also helped with that because every time she finds out that we sold a copy of the book, she tells everyone that she knows is that we're that we're selling the book and they need to try to get it. But um, <laughs> my son actually, we were driving back from uh, from Missouri and they were watching some sort of a streaming thing on YouTube, and my son tried to get the guy who was streaming the YouTube video to buy our book. <laughs> so I thought that was. I thought that was kind of funny, but, um, but I've slowly started doing that where like in real life, I've started telling people like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm trying to build. Like, this is what I'm really passionate about. And, you know, all, all we can do, I guess, is just hope that, you know, the, the people that, that need it will find us when, when they are not only ready, but, but able to do something about it. Um, but, I think it's it's definitely it's definitely a process, you know, like as the saying goes, Rome wasn't built in a day and you know, the the Dadfit dynasty I guess wasn't built in a day either, so <laughs> that's for damn sure. It would probably be really awful if it was true, that's true. <laughs> I mean it's probably best that it's something that we're doing, you know. I actually, we were laughing, you know, and I was thinking about how originally I said we would just have the whole book done by the end of the year. And it's like, <laughs> if that would have happened, then most likely it would have been a terrible book, I would guess, because, you know, we would just be throwing things out there and, you know, we're we're going to get to uh, the hundred days that, that our new goal was, but it's going to be, a we don't have the full thing done, but it's definitely a much better um it's a much better product that way so but uh i think it's also one of those things too where you know that's kind of like with the topic of of mental health you know it's kind of a microcosm in that you know to really get to where you want to be from a mental health standpoint also doesn't happen overnight you know i mean it's i know for me I, i mean i'm still a work in progress you know i'm trying to still figure out things and the better best ways to handle things. And, you know, um, I still sometimes will revert back to like the older version of myself and I'll catch myself doing something and be like, no, that's, you know, that's not really who I am anymore and have to 
kind of work myself away from that. So it's definitely a process. Yeah. And for me as well, just from the uh, whole uh, marriage and parenthood side of everything, I mean, I'm only a couple years into the game and even the things that I've picked up here and there from people that I chat with or just experienced and, or chatted with my wife because she's got a few more years of the parenting game. Um, it's, it's definitely a work in progress. And when I reflect back on the, the beginning of the journey, um, it's, I don't know, it's kind of crazy how much I've progressed, at least in my mind. And I get some affirmations from my wife as well. Um, but I, <laughs> obviously my, uh, my opinion of myself is a little more skewed and biased. So she, she keeps it in line for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. We can always count on, um, the wives to make sure that we know exactly <laughs> where we're at and, and, um, where we should be or where we need to, you know, maybe do better or different. We, I mean, Hey, I, I talk all the time about honesty and, and, you know, the honesty is whether we're ready for it or not, that's, you know, we, we, we still have to have it. So. Yeah, that was, uh, that was something I was going to bring up earlier. I think in episode part one, (laughs) (laughs) before it got cut off was, uh, it's definitely something you and I share with our relationships with our significant others is just, pure radical transparency and honesty and how how liberating that is in my opinion i mean i've seen i've never i can't say that i've ever experienced a relationship or at least my side of it hasn't been like that um but uh, i lost my point because i got distracted trying to think about other relationships where maybe it had gone south, but, um, yeah, just being able to talk to my wife about literally anything is such a huge weight off my shoulders and it, it ties into, um, the mental health side of it, um, from my little snippet there in the newsletter where I got to the point in my depression where I I had told her that, um, and I don't remember verbatim, but um, I had told her that like it's it's really a struggle for me every single day to like not kill myself, and that was I can't even imagine from my wife's perspective how jarring or alarming that must have been to hear. Um, I, I, she knew I wasn't doing well, and we talked about it a lot before that. And I could feel and sense the helplessness when we chatted, and that made me feel awful. But <clears throat> that's a different point. But just the ability to be able to speak about things like that, and I feel. A lot of relationships could greatly benefit from being able to actually say what's on your mind or actually say how you're feeling once you 
once you realize how you're feeling, of course, because sometimes that takes a while, but there's, I feel, I feel like a lot of relationships would actually survive and thrive, honestly, if people would be more honest and open, not even with themselves, just with their partners. Oh, I agree. I mean, I, I think, you know, you used the, the, the exact right terminology, you said transparency and honesty. And, and I think what it does is it eliminates all fear, you know, because I think a lot of relationships, people are, they're afraid of truly saying how they feel, whether that be because they're afraid of being themselves or they're afraid of what they're going to get in response or they're afraid of, you know, just, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I know um, my wife and I are in kind of a unique situation because, you know, like, I'm, I am 38 years old and we have been together in some fashion for, I, this will be, it'll be, ni- it's 19 years now. So we've really been together in some capacity for just literally half of my life. And so, um, you know, I mean, obviously I had relationships before her, but not a ton of them. But I know one of the big things for for me is that she's the only person that I have ever been with that I could really be me, my true self, you know. And I think, you know, there's there's a host of reasons why that could or could not be for people. But I think a lot of people struggle with that. You know, they are not able to really and truly be their, their true selves. And therefore, you know, at some point that's going to create an issue, whether it be resentment or whether it be, you know, frustration or anger or whatever it is. But I mean, to be able to just be 100% authentically you, I mean, it's a powerful thing. It really is. I mean, and I think, you know, the, the, the health of your marriage has such a dramatic impact on being able to overcome everything else. You know, I mean, obviously you, yeah. you've gone through a lot of really difficult things. <clears throat> I've gone through a lot of really difficult things as well. And I can truly say that I I would not be where I am right now if it was not for my wife, 100%. So... Yeah, me too. It's <clears throat> that's one of the things that my wife mentioned fairly early on in our relationship is that she I'm the first person that she's ever met that she didn't have any barriers put up and she she never understood why, really. I don't I don't know if she still doesn't understand, but either way, she said it was it was like a huge relief for her because she could be authentically her and clearly I like it. So, right. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm around and I've, I've never been, I shouldn't say never, but I can't recall any times where I've never really been I said never again. I can't recall any times where I haven't been authentically myself um, fully, I guess, adolescence everyone's trying to figure their shit out but i don't i don't count that as real life because i barely remember it anyways but um yeah just 
I don't, I don't know. I think a lot of people are drawn towards me in general because I am just me and I don't, I don't have enough energy or time to put on a facade for, for anything. Not only cause I don't, I mean, that's just not me. It's just weird in general, but I'm going to forget. I have a horrible memory. So if, if one day I, like if I tried to pretend I was British or something, and then I'm gonna forget that the next time you see me, it's be like, "Well, I thought you were British, right?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just, I was just being a weird person or whatever. But yeah, I don't, I don't have the energy or time really to not be myself. And again, going back to the the mental health topic in the relationship with my wife, that was my was one of my favorite things she'd ever said to me is that she's never had any barriers up with me. She could just be herself, and what a relief that was. And I don't don't know, that's that's beautiful. I love that. I mean, there's really nothing, there's nothing that really could top that. I mean, because being able to be your true self with your partner, I mean, that's everything else will fall into place if you have the about the the level of trust that it takes to be able to do that and so um you know if you have that then everything else will just it seems to me at least that everything else just kind of naturally works out because you know that that level of trust is like the the foundational thing for everything else i mean and i think about even you know, at at my worst points, at my lowest points, you know, um, on my end, it was the one time in my life where I was not fully honest with my wife. And it wasn't so much because I was like, deceivingly trying to lie to her, but it was because I wasn't being authentic, you know. Um, And I think it was because in my mind at the time, you know, I was in such denial about exactly how bad I was, you know, I mean, I've been pretty open with, with this part of it with, uh, you know, online and stuff like I allowed myself and I use those words very intentionally because it's not like it was some sort of, uh, you know, thing that happened to me. I did it to myself. Um, but I allowed myself to, to get, to be, you know, right about really close to 500 pounds. And yet I'm in such denial that I'm sitting here going, well, it's all going to work itself out, you know, and, and, <laughs> and I'm, and I'm in not being truthful. Like I'm being not like, like I said, I wasn't trying to be deceitful, but I was being, you know, dishonest cause I wasn't being authentic, you know, and my wife is coming to me saying, you have to do something like this is not normal, you know, like, and so she was being honest. She was still giving me that, you know, that true honesty. But for me, you know, I was in a situation where I was not. I mean, it's just, um, it was just, you know, it, it all comes back to that, you know. And when I've been in my, um, you know, my worst mental state, the one thing that it also took with it as well was, my my i guess ability to give that 100 percent honesty and you know now being on the other side of it i mean and and being back to being that way i mean it's just it's such a powerful thing 
Yeah, and I've tweeted it several times. So denial is a hell of a drug, man, because you can, you can just, you can convince yourself of anything that's not true, or you can just make up all of these false realities for yourself because you just don't want to accept the pain. And that's that's how I view it for myself. Of I can't control alcohol. It controls me, and so I was like, just in denial for over a decade, for sure. Well, no, I can, I can control it. But. Well, I mean, and I even I look back now, and I, and this might be something for you as well. You might do this too sometimes, I bet. But like, I look back on some of the behaviors that I were doing that I was doing in the past, and now I look and it's like, man, you know, like what the hell was wrong with me that I would even think that that was okay. I mean, like, I would get up in the middle of the night to, like, go to the bathroom, and then I would all of a sudden just be like, oh, I think I'm going to have a soda. And I would just stand in the kitchen and have a whole soda and stuff or something like that, you know? It's like, <laughs> that's not normal to do. Like, that's not what normal people – I mean, and I know that normal is a relative term, but, like, that's not healthy. You know, it's not healthy yeah. to run to the bathroom at 3 a.m. and be like, oh, I think I'm going to cut you know, pop a Coke and, and drink a can of Coke or something, you know, like that's not, that's not what, you know, healthy people do. And yet at the time in my mind, it's like, well, it's totally fine. You know, like I just was a little thirsty. So, you know, I'll just have, just have a, I'll just have a, a soda, you know, like at 3 a.m. <laughs> and, yeah. and I think, and like I said, you know, like it, you look back on it and it's like, man, like what the hell was wrong with me? And, and it, I just keep coming back to, you know, that denial piece, because it's like, you know, our minds have such a, a powerful way of like justifying things, you know, and, and being yeah. able to sort of rationalize all these different things, when in reality, you know, we know better than that, we just don't want to accept it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I can relate. <laughs> just stupid things I did with alcohol. When you when you're finally out of it and reflect back, you're like, oh my God, what the hell? It's just, it doesn't even make any sense of why someone who, just like a sane, normal person, again, like you said, relatively, but, I mean, <clears throat> I used to just drink liquor for breakfast. Like, come on. Right. It's, that's stupid. And I knew it was wrong because I would try to hide it, but I didn't, I didn't care. I guess I don't. I don't even know what it was. Right. I just wake up and like, oh, I just, I just got to go chug liquor. Like, oh man, that's just bonkers when you think about it. Just stupid stuff. Yeah, and I mean, you said it too. I mean, you know that it's wrong because you're like hiding it in some capacity, but yet somehow you just find a way to keep doing it too. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up here on my end. I gotta put the baby to bed here. She's had a hell of a couple of days with all of her cousins and everything, so she should have been in bed like three hours ago. <laughs> she's still pretty pretty wired, so I hope. Yeah, no. Wrap it up on my end. Yeah, that's good. We can uh, wrap it up, and um, I guess I'll just have to be on the lookout for two sets of audio this week. Um, but, uh, after we end this though, I'll shoot you a text so we can kind of figure out like the rest of the week and stuff.
Okay. Perfect. All right, man. Well, I would thank people, but it's just us. Yeah. So thank you, Jake. Yes. Thank you, sir. <laughs> we shall meet again. Yes. <laughs> Get you later, All brother. Right, later.